Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Hey, really glad you're with us today for the Monday edition of the Three Martini Lunch podcast. We hope you had a great weekend and we hope you're ready uh, to dive back into a crazy, crazy news cycle. We have good, we have a multifaceted bad, and we have a definite crazy martini today, Jim. And, you know, as if there wasn't enough stuff to keep track of, Tom Brady's back. So I'm sure that was really the capstone of the weekend that you were really looking forward to. You know, I think the most frustrating aspect of this, Greg, is that now, you know, in a year from now or two years from now or however many more years Tom Brady chooses to play, we're going to have to sit through all of those syrupy farewell montages one more time. (laughs) And I get to see even more of those highlights of him against the Jets and stuff like that. So, yeah, look, the other thing is, is do you get the feeling that like it was just like one or two months at home with Giselle and Brady's like, you know what? I got to come back. Sorry. (laughs) I thought I was going to enjoy spending time with my family, but I don't. Time to get back to work. <laughs> uh, it's not impossible. Not impossible. When your mind's been focused on one thing for that long, uh, chances are it's hard to hard to shut that off. But uh, we'll see. We'll see if it ends up being a good decision. But with free agency starting, uh, the timing is certainly no accident. There was some guy apparently over the weekend who spent over a half a million dollars on Brady's last touchdown pass on the ball, and now it's going to be virtually worthless. So, well, anyway. look, no, it would be great. As, as long as he doesn't throw any more touchdowns, he's fine. <laughs> All right, well, let's talk about our good martini now. And, uh, Jim, we've been saying uh, a number of times here that the environment looks good for Republicans heading into the midterm elections. We've still got nearly eight months to go. A lot can happen, and a lot will happen if the first few months of this year are any indication. But the numbers are just not getting any better for Democrats. In fact, they're getting a little bit better for Republicans, and that's always worth a smile. And, hey, let's hope they stay that way. Axios with the story, although it was a Wall Street Journal poll that they're talking about, top Democratic operatives see expanding defections by Hispanic voters to the GOP, worsening Democrats' outlook for November's midterms. The Wall Street Journal poll last week found that by nine points, Hispanic voters said they'd back a Republican candidate for Congress over a Democrat. The GOP is plus nine on the generic ballot among Hispanics. That's amazing. In November, the parties were tied, which was already a trend, rapidly moving in the Republicans' favor. Uh, And then they list all these uh, hand-wringing Democratic consultants who are worried that uh, the Democrats just don't learn the lessons. They always nominate the more radical one, and so uh, Latino voters uh, get turned off. Uh, And then they also send a bunch of people who know nothing about Hispanic culture to be consultants in races that have a high percentage of Hispanic voters. So, uh, Jim, uh, love where this is trending, and let's hope we don't screw it up. You know, Greg, there are a lot of times I'm not thrilled with what Axios offers, but this was one of the most enjoyable articles I've read in quite some time. The the sub-headline might as well just have been, Democratic campaign consultants are every bit as dumb as you suspect they are. (laughs) Um, and it's kind of what's really fun is it's not Republicans calling them dumb. It's other Democrats, often Latino Democrats, saying, yeah, they keep running the same campaigns. They don't know how to talk to these communities. Uh, they listen far too much to the uh, insufferable, woke, white progressives and expect it to you know, play well amongst Latinos. They don't understand them. They don't care to understand them. My favorite reference, by the way, is, you know, um, key factors operatives say include skepticism amongst Hispanic voters about programs they view as handouts. And many Hispanics are social conservatives with what L.A. Times columnist Gustavo Ariano has called, quote, Rancho Libertarianism streak. 
Greg, my understanding is that's like libertarianism with a little more cilantro, um, <laughs> a little bit of a little bit of that ranch ranch dressing tang to it. Uh, look, I, I think what we you look at this, you're like, okay, Latino Americans, Hispanic Americans, whichever whichever label you prefer, they are not hard left. They are many of them are small business owners, and they're just like everybody else in the sense that they want to be able to go to work, they want to be able to keep their businesses open. They didn't like the uh, uh, lingering shutdowns of businesses because of quarantines and such. They want their schools to be open. Um, and a lot of them, particularly if they're immigrants or children of immigrants or grandchildren of immigrants, love this country because their ancestors came to this country and they see it as the land of opportunity. They see it as a land of freedom. Why the hell would the Democratic Party start nominating somebody talking about how great socialism is and how Castro is really misunderstood and Chavez is that bad and, you know, Almost everybody whose parents or grandparents came from Central America has some bad experience with communism and wants to, you know, wants nothing to do with it. And then along come a bunch of white, you know, uh, uh, college professors saying, no, 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 socialism's really much more like Norway. Trust us, it's going to be terrific. You know, socialism can be like the Norway if you're sitting on a ton of oil and natural gas. That's how that works out. So, um, but anyway, just kind of deeply satisfying to see this. Strongly suspects that in the end, you know, a long time. A lot of elite Democrats contended that Republicans were in a bubble and didn't know how to communicate with these people, when in fact, it really sounds like a whole bunch of Democratic campaign consultants don't know how to communicate to these groups and are in their own insufferable smug bubbles that apparently cannot be permeated. And it also points out, Jim, that, uh, you know, with the Democrats essentially destroying the border down there, open borders, uh, not sending people back, moving them all around the country, not even a big issue with Hispanic voters. It's like fifth or sixth most important to them, which I would guess is probably about where it is most of the time with everybody else, if not even a little bit higher with other demographics. So this whole calculation that uh, by having these open border policies, it's somehow going to win over Hispanic voters. I don't see it because the ones that came here legally hate it. Yeah, great. But how, how are Democratic candidates supposed to know that, though? What, talk to Latinos? Talk to them and find out what they actually think? Come on. Can't do that. Oh, man. That's too much, Greg. <laughs> Work is hard. All right. On to our first uh, sponsor of the day. And it's one that Jim always smiles when it's on the roster because he gets to enjoy the product while pitching the product. And that, of course, is his beloved X chair. From the first moment I sat in my X chair, my body immediately said, ah, so this is what a real office chair is supposed to feel like. I never actually looked forward to sitting in my office until I got my X chair. Now, can your current office chair give you a massage while you're working? My X chair can. Can your current office chair heat up or cool down? My X chair can do that too. It's all in the LMAX massage and temperature regulation, which is exclusively designed and made for X chair. And once you feel the customized support of the X chair's patented dynamic variable lumbar or DVL, your back will never be happy in any other chair again. High performance, quality engineering, and extreme comfort. Those are all the reasons I love my X chair. Now I can't wait to be at work. And sometimes, even if I'm not working, I sit in my X chair just to get that feeling. Take my advice, try the X chair for yourself, risk-free for 30 days. Once you realize how much better your chair should be, you'll never go back. I promise. And this week only, X-Chair holding their special anniversary sale. So go to xchairmartini.com now. That's the letter X, chair, M-A-R-T-I-N-I.com. Or call 1-844-4X-Chair for special anniversary sale pricing. X-Chair has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort, and you can finance your purchase for as little as $30 per month. xchairmartini.com. 
All right, Jim, a multifaceted bad martini, as we said before. Let's start at the very top, and this was over the weekend. Uh, Iran attacked Iraq's northern city of Erbil on Sunday with a dozen ballistic missiles and an unprecedented assault on the capital of the autonomous Iraqi Kurdish region that appeared to target the United States and its allies. The missiles came down in areas near a new U.S. consulate building, according to Kurdish officials. U.S. officials said no Americans were hurt and nor were U.S. facilities hit. Kurdish authorities said only one civilian was hurt and no one was killed. Iranian state media said Iran's Revolutionary Guard Corps carried out the attack against Israeli quote-unquote strategic centers in Erbil, suggesting it was revenge for recent Israeli airstrikes that killed Iranian military personnel in Syria. The attack, in which huge blasts shook windows of homes in Erbil after midnight, was a rare publicly declared assault by Tehran against allies of Washington. The response from the United States, Jim? Well, let's just say underwhelming. While the, uh, this is Ned Price, the State Department spokesman who, of course, covered himself in glory during the Afghanistan withdrawal, the United States strongly condemns the missile strikes on Erbil, Iraq, last night that emanated from Iran. The strikes were an outrageous violation of Iraq's sovereignty. But here's the fun part. No U.S. facilities were damaged or personnel injured, and we have no indications the attack was directed at the United States. Iran must immediately cease its attacks, respect Iraqi sovereignty, et cetera, et cetera. So immediately the U.S. response is, I'm sure they didn't mean it. Uh, meanwhile, over with the Russians, they are now attacking very near the Polish border. This is also from Reuters. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken Sunday condemning a uh, Russian attack on a large Ukrainian base near the border with NATO member Poland, killing 35 people and wounding 134 others. Quote, we condemn the Russian Federation's missile attack on the International Center for Peacekeeping. So he says the brutality must stop, Jim. I'm not sure that's quite going to do it. So what do you make of the U.S. Uh, response, if we can even call it that, to things like this? Well, I was going to say there's kind of a theme amongst all of these news items we put together into our bad martini. And it is a general sense that the Biden, look, it's a dangerous world. And the job of the president is being tough. And it's tough for any administration to keep the ship steady, so to speak, under, you know, these difficult circumstances. But even when you, you know, you cut them that slack and you give them, um, you recognize that the, the scale of the challenges before them. This is an administration that is always seeming, uh, not just a day late and a dollar short, but always seems very reactive, always seems very slow footed. Uh, it's always kind of reacting to what happens. We don't dictate things. You know, Putin decides what happens on the ground in Russia and Ukraine. Um, the Iranians decide what's going to happen. And you know, when they do, because the U.S. desperately wants a deal on a, on a nuclear program with the Iranians, we're, well, we're not going to make a big stink out of it. We're, we're not going to act like, how dare you? We're not going to say, you know, like, oh, they weren't aiming for us. It couldn't have been that bad or something like that. Um, we're going to continue to depend on the Russians to negotiate this deal, even though obviously we are in a, if not de facto state of war, then something close. We are, we are certainly not neutral between Russia and Ukraine. And the more we see the Russians and Chinese cooperating, there have been a few, I'd say, somewhat hopeful signs that China may be seeing some signs that uh, uh, Russia, they backed the wrong horse in Russia, that they are not uh, this uh, terrific ally that they thought they were uh, picking up. But all in all, you know, there's no indication that China can be trusted to look out for our interests. And we just saw that story last week where the U.S. kept trying to help, trying to get China to pressure Russia to not invade Ukraine. And then China would take the intelligence that U.S., negotiators had shared with them, and then turn around and share it with the Russians and say, look, the Americans have discovered. China just keeps betraying us. Why would we trust them? Why would we think 
we, they can, you know, we can trust them to negotiate a deal that will protect our interests. It's unbelievably naive, and I, th- I, I strongly suspect the primary goal of the Biden administration regarding Iran is to not have to admit the Obama administration was wrong regarding Iran, regarding that Iranian deal in the uh, Obama second term. So all in all, just extraordinarily frustrating. Yes, it's a very difficult uh, time. Yes, there's a lot of fires burning at once, so to speak. But uh, uh, on one front after another, we look like we have a president who is 79 years old and has lost a step and who's just kind of just trying to not make any waves, just trying to manage the problem as they come. No particular assertive plan to actually make anything any better. Weak. Is that the word you're looking for? It's the yes, word there I you go. Weak. Yeah. <laughs> well, Geriatric. Yes. Yes. So just to follow up on the Iranian situation with the nuclear negotiations, Jim Risch is a senator from Idaho. He's the top Republican on the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, and he was on Fox News Sunday yesterday. It's pretty much understood that we're going to get a worse nuclear deal than we had before. But listen to the conditions in which this deal is being put together. Jim, this is pure insanity. This was an awful deal when it was made the first time around. What we're hearing, and we're getting only leakage, uh, it's going to be worse this time than what it was. Now, you got to remember what's happening here. you got a room that the Iranians are sitting at the table. The Russians and the Chinese are in there. They don't even let the uh, U.S. delegation in that room. They're sitting at the kids' table out in the hall, peeking through uh, uh, the keyhole to see what's going on. So you got the Iranians and the Russians negotiating a deal for us. I mean, uh, what could possibly go wrong here? Jim, how in the world could we agree to any setup like this? It basically is putting all of our faith in the Russians and the Chinese, which would be a bad time at any time. But it's an amazingly bad and unwise thing to do right now, when at the same time everyone else is like, oh my God, is Russia, has Putin lost his mind? Is Russia going to use chemical weapons, biological weapons, nuclear weapons, you know, tactical battlefield nukes? Yeah. But don't worry. I'm sure they'll totally look out for us when it comes to the Iranian negotiations. Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. Oh, Jim, I'd like to make a nice transition to the unbelievable deals you can get from my pillow, but that would probably be a little uh, schlocky at this point because it's unbelievably awful what's happening in Iran. But it is true that you can get phenomenal deals at my pillow, and right now we're going to focus on their amazing towels. Nothing beats the feel of a luxurious towel when you step out of the shower, and right now you can get a phenomenal deal. The towels, which I highly recommend, they're super soft, they're big, they're fluffy, they absorb phenomenally well. Regularly, the set, $109.99. Now, just $39.99 a set. The MyPillow six-piece towel set is made with cotton grown right here in the United States. Now, you might have seen other towels where they feel good, but they don't absorb very well, or they absorb very well, but they don't feel good. Well, every MyPillow towel is made from a proprietary technology that makes them highly absorbent and soft to the touch. There's none of that lotion-y feel, and every set comes with two bath towels, two hand towels, two washcloths. The MyPillow six-piece towel set is available in a variety of colors and sizes. They're machine washable, and they come with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a one-year limited warranty. For a limited time, get the MyPillow six-piece towel set regularly $109.99 for just $39.99 with the promo code MARTINI. Visit MyPillow.com martini or call 800-874-0104. You'll also find deep discounts on all MyPillow products there, including the MyPillow mattress topper, the MyPillow Giza Dream Sheets, and so much more. Get your six-piece MyPillow towel set for only $39.99 today at MyPillow.com martini or call 800-874-0104. MyPillow.com martini. 
All right, Jim, the Democrats, at least the House Democrats, uh, held a retreat this weekend. And as we mentioned in the first martini, hopefully they'll be doing a lot of retreating this year, but not just the kind that they did over the weekend. Uh, I think up in Pennsylvania it was. But uh, Joe Biden visited up there and he kept, ah, inflation, everybody blames it on government spending and me. And ah, it's all Putin. And that's pretty much what Nancy Pelosi said, too. Not sure why the Democrats couldn't get better audio in this room. But nonetheless, here's a couple of clips from Nancy Pelosi. First of all, she's citing some Democratic study that whatever they just spent a ton of money on is actually going to help bring the government's uh, balance sheet closer uh, to working out because it's supposedly going to help save money over the long run. And then she just, of course, blames Putin. Here's uh, two clips from Nancy Pelosi. So when we're having this discussion, it's important to dispel some of those who say, well, it's the government spending. No, it isn't. The government spending is doing the exact reverse, reducing the national debt. It is not inflationary. Government spending is not inflationary and it's reversing the national debt. Chew on that one for a moment. And while you do, here she goes about global inflation and, of course, Putin. But this starts with Putin because of global inflation for reasons beyond gas gas price. Global inflation is something that we have to deal with globally, but we have our responsibility to deal with it at home. And we have legislation that does just that by increasing supply uh, and, uh, again, creating jobs in a way that is not adding to inflation. Jim, I like her approach of addressing global inflation globally. I thought that was a nice touch on her part. Uh, but also this idea that she's got legislation that's going to solve it uh, at home. I haven't seen anything from the Democratic agenda that even comes close. Greg, when the audio for a big Democratic Party event like that is that bad, is that a subtle signal no one's listening? Because <laughs> nobody's jumping up saying, Nancy, we can't hear you. Could, could we improve the microphone? Hold on. You know, no, you know, everybody is probably on their phones flipping it. Oh, there she goes again. Yes, yes. The spending and borrowing will continue until inflation stops. You know, we will spend we will borrow and we will spend as much money as it takes to reduce the desk. OK, OK, that makes sense. You know, um, <laughs> I think what's I'm trying to think about a, a good equivalent parallel. Uh, maybe you could say, you know, the, the U.S. has had some hard lessons. The Republican Party has had some hard lessons that invading and knocking over a bad regime does not automatically mean that a good regime replaces it, right? We've had some very tough lessons on that. Iraq had a very tough lessons of the rise of the Islamic State in the western part of the country. Uh, Afghanistan, you know, look at that. Um, the U.S., I suppose it's possible you can, you know, cut taxes so much. Or in fact, you look the deficits, right? If you cut taxes, but you don't actually cut spending, then the deficit just keeps going up. Um, I'm trying to think of other, you know, similar, like sooner or later, the, the, the data comes back on enacting the kind of policies you want to have. And guess what? Your policies don't work the way you want. You really like it to. You really want it to. You have nothing but the best of intentions. But it doesn't work out that way. I think probably my favorite example of this was the yacht tax, in which you ended up with, you know, all right, well, if we're going to you know, put a big tax on yachts, finally get all those rich guys, those, you know, fat cat SOBs, we're going to make them pay. And then, of course, they did that. And, of course, yacht sales collapsed. And, of course, it stopped everyone who builds the yachts who are not millionaires and billionaires. In fact, there's a whole bunch of people who make them. And I believe they're in, like, you know, a lot of them are in the New England coastal areas. And uh, I believe it was Patrick Kennedy, the son of infamous Senator Ted Kennedy, 
who every year introduced a bill to cut the tax on yachts because he wanted to help the yacht building industry because lo and behold, the people who build yachts are not the fat cats. People, oh, I'm going to make the rich pay. Well, then you ended up, you know, you know, uh, hurting people who's, you know, working class guys who made a living building yachts for, for people who wanted to buy yachts and stuff like that. This is reality. You borrow a lot, you spend a lot, you throw a whole bunch of money at people, particularly in the form of the stimulus on top of supply chain issues, on top of increasing demand, on top of limited supply disruptions because of the uh, limited supply because of disruptions from the pandemic. All of those factors together, you end up with the inflation that we've got. And when you keep throwing more money out the door, inflation is too much money chasing too few goods. You want to increase it, you need to reduce the amount of money, you need to increase the amount of goods, and lo and behold, you get equilibrium again. But we don't have that. And at this rate, Greg, it doesn't like we're going to have it anytime soon. Wow. So inflation's a huge problem. And the Democratic response to the American people, and this is clearly their number one concern right now, is we're doing everything right and we're going to do more of it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's um, ironically, she's paraphrasing uh, Vice President Harris. You know, what we need to do is what we've been doing. And the time for that is now. <laughs> oh, man. I hope somebody's putting together Kamala's greatest hits because, uh, I mean, Dan Quayle's somewhere right now going, dude. This is just embarrassing. <laughs> a spelling error doesn't look so bad, now does it? You know, no, no. Very Hallmark cards, very zen. If you need to go out, you must go in. <laughs> On that note, Jim, have a good Monday. See you tomorrow. See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Columbus of Radio America. Thanks so much for being with us today. Do subscribe to the podcast if you don't already, and please tell your friends about us as well. Uh, We're very grateful for your five-star ratings and your kind reviews. They really do help us, so please keep them coming. Get us on your home devices. All you have to say is play 3 Martini Lunch podcast. And follow us on Twitter. He's at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a great Monday, and please join us on Tuesday for the next 3 Martini Lunch. Hi, it's Dana Lash, host of The Dana Show. Every day, I'm here to keep you up to speed on the most important stories and info that you need to know in your very busy life. And if you're always on the go and you want to stay connected, just download our daily podcast and take it with you. It's a great way to get up to speed on what you need to know and what legacy media may not be telling you. Visit danaradio.com and click on the podcast link or subscribe at iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.